Good morning. It's great to see you this morning, and uh, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, you know, as, um, as Shiori was sharing uh, about missions, um, and uh, I didn't expect him to share kind of more specifically about persecution, but um, it does make me think about how, um, how blessed we are, how blessed we are to be able to gather together, um, to seek the Lord together, and to open his word um, without that type of persecution. And, uh, and so that we want to pray for those that are serving the Lord in this way. Um, and thank God, though, for the opportunity and the blessing that we have um, to open up the word this morning. And uh, so actually, I think maybe let, let me start with the word of prayer as we begin our, our message this morning. Father, I pray that you would settle my heart, and uh, for those uh, as well here in the sanctuary, Lord, that you would, um, Lord, just um, calm us now, help us to turn our eyes, the eyes of our hearts and our minds to you, Lord, and to, to look into your word, Lord, and to, to try and, and, um, and uh, be open and sensitive and to draw from it and to listen for your voice. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us this morning, that you would use the words spoken, the words uh, read, the, the scripture, um, which is your word and alive, and that you would do a work in our hearts this morning. Um, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for each person here in our church family and for our guests and visitors here. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I was going to start with something about the Dodgers <laughs> or about the Trojans, but I, I decided to scratch that part. Um, and uh, uh, this morning, we're going to be uh, looking at 2 Chronicles. And I mentioned this, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Um, I mention this now because it might take you a little while to find where is Chronicles? Where, you know, where's that book? Um, so it's about halfway uh, through the Old Testament. Uh, so if you're able to divide into the Old Testament and then kind of go halfway, Second Chronicles chapter 26 will be our main passage this morning. <clears throat> and as we continue on in this series on counterfeit gods, we're going to look at the life of King Uzziah. King Uzziah. And if you know this part of the, the Bible, Chronicles, Kings, Chronicles, uh, it, it talks a lot about the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. And King Uzziah is just uh, one king mentioned here. But we're going to look at the success, the success, success that he experienced as king but also the problem he experienced as a result of his success. Now, the dictionary, the dictionary defines success as the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. But I think practically speaking, we know that success looks different for everyone. I think what we seek in life and what we think of as success um, changes from person to person and so to one person, success 
may mean making lots of money, right? Being able to accumulate lots of money and have a lot of money in the bank. To another, it may mean reaching a certain level in their education or their, a certain level in their career. And to another, a certain, uh, it may just mean a certain quality of life, where you live, how you live, what your lifestyle is like, whether you're, you're married, you live alone, um, that you have an idea, you use that as a gauge for success. I know that's how it was for me growing up. Um, my parents, they would, they would talk to me. They would never talk to me about what success looks like um, or what I should be trying to aspire to. We just didn't have those conversations in our house. But what they would say is, and they would talk about other people, <laughs> right? They would say, oh, so-and-so is doing well for themselves um, because he or she got into this school, this university, or he or she became a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, or something, something like that. They would say, oh, he or she bought, bought a home, you know, they bought a home in this neighborhood. How great that is. You know, or so-and-so got married. And, I, and, and, I, you know, and as I understand, um, it's their way of telling me this is what success looks like. This is how they define success, you know, by these different things. And I think maybe you can relate to some of those things. Um, that your parents, your family, others, or if your parents now, you may say that to your kids. You know, you may relate those things. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's the American dream, right? And for some of us, it's an Asian spin on the American dream. That this is what life should be like if you're successful. However we define it, the fact is, is that the quest for success, it enslaves many people, including Christians, including some of us. It, it has a grip on us. It's either the pursuit of success or the attempt to try and achieve these things or how we handle it. I think some, one thing that should be clear from our series on counterfeit gods is that Everybody worships something, right? You give your life to something. And in our culture today, success is at the top of that list. Success is something we, we put on the pedestal of our lives. So this morning, we're going to look at, uh, like I said, King Uzziah. And this is in Second Chronicles chapter 26. And instead of reading the whole passage, I'm going to read it um, just a little by little, sections. And we'll read it and section by section, and I think this will allow ourselves to um, kind of place ourselves in the story and immerse ourselves and to, um, to see as we watch King Uzziah's life unfold. So I'm going to read um, from 26 verses, the first is... Uh, one through five. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the place of his father Amaziah. 
He was the one who rebuilt Elath and restored it to Judah after Amaziah rested with his ancestors. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jecoliah, and she was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. <clears throat> so just to set the stage here, give context to the passage, this was a difficult time in Jewish hist- history. It's about 7th century B.C., and Israel was divided into two parts the northern kingdom, and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom is called Judah. And what we're focused on here in Chronicles is mostly going to be on the southern kingdom. Okay, that's Judah. Judah had just lost a big battle. It had just lost its king. Jerusalem was in disarray. Its walls, walls had been broken down. <clears throat> and the temple and the, pl- and the palace had been raided. In fact, some of the citizens of Jerusalem were taken hostage from the most recent battle. And so the, um, the nation was suffering, and it was going through difficult times. And this is the situation in which Uzziah was named king. So he was named king at an early age, the age of 16, Where were you, if you think about it, where were you at the age of 16? What were you doing at at 16? 16, um, I know for some of you, some of you had to grow up very quickly. And I know for some of you, at the age of 16, you were probably already working full-time, trying to support your family. But 16... That's a, a very young age to assume such a big role. It would be like naming one of our fountain group members to be king or, or, or governor, one of them, right? Would, now, would that be a good idea, Stephen? <laughs> um, 16 was an early age, but what we'll see is that Uzziah... Uzziah was up to the task. Uzziah proved to be a great leader. Verse 3 says Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 52 years. Verse 4 says he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So even at his young age, he sought the Lord. He did what was right. If you know this part of Scripture, you know that almost every king that's mentioned, they have this line for the king. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, or he did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And we see that Uzziah is is on the right side. And this was a testimony to his character and his heart for God. Then verse 5 says, He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. 
Uzziah was a godly man, even as a young man. He was a godly man, and he was a great leader. But Scripture is absolutely clear that his success came from God because he sought God and his word. God was the source of Uzziah's success, not Uzziah himself. I read that the Hebrew word for seek literally means to trample underfoot. And I thought, well, that's interesting. What, what's that about? It says, the idea of seeking God means that you go to him for help and for wisdom so often that you beat a path wearing out the ground to him. And I think that's amazing imagery of what it means to seek the Lord, that we beat a path, that we wear out the ground that leads to the Lord. And this is what Uzziah did. He sought God, he feared God, and God gave him success. Reading on in verse 6, it says, He went to war against the Philistines and broke down the walls of Gath, Jabra, and Ashdod. He then rebuilt towns near Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabs who lived in Gerbal and against the Munites. The Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he, was, because he had become very powerful. Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and the angle of the wall, and he fortified them. He also built towers in the wilderness and dug many cisterns because he had much livestock in the foothills and in the plain. He had people working his fields and vineyards in the hills and in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. Uzziah had a well-trained army ready to go out by divisions according to their numbers as mustered by Jael, the secretary, <clears throat> and Messiah, the officer under the direction of Hananiah, one of the royal officials. The total number of family leaders over the fighting men was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 men trained for war, a powerful force to support the king against his enemies. Uzziah provided the shields, spears, helmets, coats of armor, bows and slingshots and the, for the entire army. In Jerusalem, he made devices invented for use on the towers and on the corner defenses so that the soldiers could shoot arrows and hurl large stones from the walls. His fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. Uzziah's reign was a glorious time. It was a glorious time for the nation of Judah. And he did this, and he, he, he prospered in almost every area of their lives, politically, domestically, militarily. His leadership skills were off the charts. Scripture says that he rebuilt cities and restored them to Judah. He defeated his enemies, the Philistines to the west, the Arabians and Meunites to the south, and he was feared by the Ammonites in the east. And verse 8 says, His fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he had become very powerful. 
He fixed the walls of Jerusalem, fortified the city, and built up the infrastructure. He increased livestock and agriculture, and the land prospered under him. Not only that, but he developed a well-trained army and was an expert in military strategy and weapons. See, Uzziah and the scripture, you know, takes its time to read into this. Uzziah could do it all. He was a man's man, right? He was a builder. He was an engineer. He was an infrastructure guy. He was a military guy. He was a commander, a leader. But then in verse 10, it also says he loved the soil. Right? He loved agriculture. He loved growing things. Um, so he's not only macho, but he's gentle. Right? And it kind of reminds me of uh, the movie Gladiator. I don't know if you remember the movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe, but his character, Maximus, ends up having to fight his way for survival in the arena as a gladiator. Um, and he's a great fighter, and he's a strong commander. But all he really wants to do is to go home, to be with his family, to tend his garden, you know, to raise, um, train his horses. And this is kind of the picture of Uzziah. This man uh, was a great leader, and what we see here is the potential for God to do great things in a person's life when they seek to do his will. And I think this is a very important, important point, is that God can do great things in you when you're aligned with him. Uzziah's leadership blessed the nation of Judah, and it was very clear. Other people saw it. Other nations knew of it. His fame spread. His power and blessing upon this little nation was unmistakable. And so that means when God uses you, God uses a person who is seeking him, and he uses him to his potential, people can see that. People can see that God is at work. Uzziah sought the Lord, and God brought him fame and power until verse 15. At the end of verse 15, I don't know if you picked it up, it says, his fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped. The Lord was helping him. It says, until he became powerful. And here's where the passage turns. This is what I, I think of. The story turns, the passage turns, Uzziah's life turns. Let me read 16 through 23. I'll read through the end of the, uh, the chapter here. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah the priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord followed him in and they confronted King Uzziah and said, it's not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord God. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand ready to burn incense, became angry. 
And while he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. When Azariah, the chief priest, and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead, so they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous and banned from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of Israel. Governed the people of the land, excuse me. The other events of Uzziah's reign from beginning to end are recorded by the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. Uzziah rested with his ancestors and was buried near them in a cemetery that belonged to the kings. For people said he had leprosy. And Jotham, his son, succeeded him as king. Uzziah seemed like the perfect king. The kind of king you would want to have. He was the epitome of success. And he was doing things the right way. He was seeking God fearing God, he was obeying God until pride led him to become his own God. Verse 16 says, But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. Then he was unfaithful to the Lord. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us, and we're not sure exactly what caused him to change, what caused this turn. And I guess the scripture doesn't tell us we're not meant to know. Some scholars would say that Zechariah, who was mentioned in verse 5, who was like his spiritual mentor, a prophet that would help him in the fear of the Lord, it says, that perhaps he died. He died and sent Uzziah on a tailspin. Perhaps Uzziah started to believe everything that was said about him. All of these good things that I have mentioned this first part of the message that we've read. That he started to believe these things about him. How wise, how courageous, how hardworking, what a great leader he was. We're not sure why he turned. But whatever it was, his eyes were taken off God. And they were placed on himself. And herein lies the problem. I believe this is the problem with success. It makes us forget our need for God. We no longer depend on Him. We think we're completely self-sufficient. And the reason this is a problem is because there's only room in our lives for one God. Prosperity and success blurred Uzziah's vision, and he stopped seeing God as the source of his success. And, and this, is, this is not uncommon. This is a very dramatic story, but it's not uncommon to see this every day in our lives. We're walking with the Lord, trying to be faithful, and then we experience just a little bit of prosperity. We make the team. Right? We get a promotion. We get a scholarship. You get a raise. You get an award. Maybe you get a boyfriend or girlfriend. All good things. Right? All blessings. We can see them as blessings. 
But we get caught up then in the rush of success, the rush of achievement, how it makes us feel, what we think of ourselves, and pride sets in and we lose our way. And I thought about this and I thought, no wonder God in his mercy withholds certain things from us. No wonder he doesn't give us everything that we want and the desires of our hearts because we're not ready. The Scottish philosopher Thomas Carlyle wrote, affliction is bad, but for every person that can handle prosperity, there are a hundred that can handle adversity. So that may be a little confusing, but what he's saying is that it takes a special person a mature person to handle prosperity in a way that glorifies God. Adversity is tough, but there are many of us that can handle adversity more than there are that can handle prosperity. And we see this in Scripture. Uzziah's pride turned to unfaithfulness, which led him to enter into the temple to burn incense on the altar. Now, burning incense on the altar was something only the priests were consecrated to do. They were the only ones that could enter the temple to do this. So Uzziah was basically saying, as he, did, as he tried to do this, he was saying that he was above the law. He was above God's law. When Azariah and the other priests confronted him, he became angry. And this is obviously a sign of pride. You don't take correction well. And while he was raging at them, before the incense altar, it says, leprosy broke out on his forehead. See, God, who will not give his glory to another, which is what it says in Isaiah 42.8, God struck him with leprosy. God afflicted him. And from that day on, King Uzziah lived as a leper. He lived in a separate house. He was banned from the temple. He lost control of the government. He, his son took over. And as I prepared this message and I've been working on this, I thought, what's the counterfeit God here? What's the counterfeit God? What's the idol we're talking about? And I don't think it's the great success or the amazing accomplishments that God can do through us. It's not just success. Uzziah did these things. He, he did amazing things because he sought the Lord. And so you can be faithful in doing these things and experiencing success as God grants it. The point here is not to discard your goals, not to not pursue excellence. For I'm convinced, I'm convinced that God wants to do great things in the lives of the people here, of you and of me and of us. That he wants to do great things in many of your lives and that he wants you to bless others like Uzziah did, in his name. But as God grants you success, 
Do not forget about him. Thank him for everything that you receive and seek his wisdom for your life. This week, I, I, um, for this message, I, I probably watched like at least half a dozen YouTube videos on success. And so this is from people being interviewed on the street to a bunch of TED Talks to Steve Jobs delivering a commencement address at Stanford. And they all said the same thing, so you don't need to watch it. They all, they all, say, the same, all say the same thing. Find your own definition of success Pursue it with all your heart, and you won't be disappointed. And that sounds good, but the problem with that, which is the way of the world, is that it leaves God out of the equation. It makes us, it makes man self-seeking, self-serving, self-absorbed. We find our identity and our accomplishments and we judge each other by our resumes. And we become our own God. This is the counterfeit. This is the deception that we become our own God. Before the Israelites were supposed to enter the promised land, Moses gave them some final instructions in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And uh, you can read it on the screen as I, as I um, read these words. But listen to these words when you think about success in your life. Uh, Deuteronomy 8, 10 through 18 says, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your, he- when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors, as it is today. See, God knows, God knows our tendencies to forget him. He knows our tendency to be swept up in success and prosperity and to leave him behind, to forget what he's done for us to forget how he has saved us and how he's brought us through and then to even take credit for his work. And you see this in the passage. We see it in Uzziah's life. And so God warns us to remember him and to remain humble. 
Success is not an end in itself. People look at success and they think it's the end-all, be-all. It's not an end in itself. Success, for us as believers, it's a function of God's will in your life. It is what God does to accomplish the great things he wants to do in your life. And your success, it may be big and great, like Uzziah, and you influence and impact many people. And it may be small, and it may be to your own family, to your friends. It may be you're not impacting a lot of people, you're impacting one person. And that's great too. It is as the Lord leads you. It's a function of God's will in your life, and King Uzziah forgot that. In the end, worldly success, worldly success, it means very little to God. He asks us to be faithful, right? We know that with what he's given us to be good stewards, with our time, our talent. Okay, but in the end, he does not bless us based on our accomplishments and the works of our hands. It's only by the blood of Jesus, only his death on the cross and his resurrection that we can stand acceptable in God's sight. And so the message really here is not to turn from success, but it is to put your trust in Jesus. It is to keep him at the center of your life. In high points and in low points, in great prosperity, in times of need. Keep him at the center of your life and you will find the only success that's truly worth seeking. Let's pray. Lord, Father God, I pray that your words just would speak to us and would continue to ruminate in us. And um, Lord, that um, your words would be what, uh, what remains in our hearts and our minds. And uh, everything else would fall away, Lord, but that we would just hold on to, to you and to your word and that you would help us um, to deal with success, to uh, deal with our heart's desires, um, to deal with these things in a godly way. And we offer them up to you. And um, we ask for your glory and your praise and uh, for your blessing upon us in Jesus' name. Amen.